Now, as you are able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by one of our middle school students, Lily Van Scooter. Today, I'm going to be reading 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be in here with you today. I just last week saw a new trailer for uh, the Flash movie. Anyone like superhero movies? Anyone uh, exhausted by superhero movies? Maybe a few more of you than those who are still excited about them. Well, so this movie's coming out, The Flash, and, and part of the premise is that The Flash travels through time at some point, and that allows them to reintroduce, uh, which, I mean, they you know, stole from Marvel, but that's fine. Uh, it allows them to reintroduce uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. So they're bringing back one of the old Batmans. How many people is like, Michael, Michael Keaton is Batman, and anyone else is a false idol uh, that you are being led astray? You know, there, there is a little bit of debate amongst people like, but who is the real Batman? Is it Michael Keaton? Is it Christian Bale? Is it some other person who has played this before? Um, you know, and, and, and we have these conversations and, and typically they're relatively fun and lighthearted. And we, we do this with a lot of different things though, right? Like I, I've heard people debate about the greatest era of cartoons. And typically the greatest era of cartoons is whenever you were a child. Like that's just the greatest era of cartoons and it's only garbage ever since then and, and we'll just continue to get worse. I'm a huge sports fan. This is a big thing in sports about like which generation is the greatest or which talent is the greatest of all time. And so like in baseball, my dad swears that Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player of all time. He will never hear an argument against that. Sometimes I just like to push his buttons a little bit and be like, well, Barry Bonds has more home runs. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, and, and so like in football, you might talk about, is it, is it Tom Brady or is it Joe Montana, right? And you're like, oh, well, Joe Montana never lost and he played in a tougher era, but Tom Brady's won more, you know, so we have these fights. In basketball, you have like, is it Michael Jordan or is it De'Aaron Fox? I mean, you know, they're, they're right next to each other. It's close. It's the only thing I'll say about the Kings today, okay? Uh, that's all I got for the day. Um, but we, we have these debates in, in, in sports and, you know, Batman and cartoons, like, it's, it's kind of fun, but it really actually is part of something that is a little more real and honest that can actually be a little bit of a problem, which is that generations don't always get along. I don't know if you've noticed that or paid attention, but uh, I went online the other day and, and just Googled generational differences. And, and what I found is just a host of things that led me to people's posts or memes or comic strips or uh, just, you know, whatever it may be. And, and almost all of them we're one generation mocking another. And it goes both ways. It's older mocking younger, younger mocking older. It just seems like we can't get along. Older and younger cannot seem to figure it out. Because what happens is you, you tend to have the older who are looking down on the younger and saying, hey, you don't understand what it was like. It was so much better, or maybe it was so much harder, but we did it better than you do. You have it so easy, and yet you are ruining all the things that we built. And you have the younger looking at the oldest, older and being like, hey, okay, dinosaur, like, thank you for that, right? <laughs> like, hey, your ways are outdated and, and it's time to move on and we are progressing towards something better. And you're just like, hey, can anyone get along? 
And then you look and you think, well, surely that's not a problem in the church, right? Mm. Yeah, apparently some of you are aware. Some of you have been around church for a little while. You know, I, I listened to a, a researcher once, and he was saying that in the church, there really should be five generations well represented. Every generation should be well represented in the church. And he said that most of the time, churches, like good churches, are missing at least two of those generations. And what tends to happen is churches tend to cater one way or another. They tend to cater towards the older or towards the younger. And so they might cater towards the older and say, hey, um, here's what we are doing because here's what we have always done. This is what we are comfortable with. And, and, And to the younger generations, you can come along as long as you don't disturb us in any way. And then the younger generation or the churches that cater to the younger come in and and say, hey, we are going to do everything new. We're going to constantly change everything. We're not going to worry about what you like or or how you feel about it. We're just going to move in this direction because we know that this is best. And so if you want to keep up with the times, then stick around. But if not, go find somewhere else. Now, let me pause because there may be some need for some sanctification in the room today. Because if our immediate thought was, yes, the church does that to me, is pushing me and my generation out, then maybe we have some room to grow in our heart and in our faithfulness to Christ. Because really what we need to do is we need to be modeling Christ and looking at the world, looking at generations through God's eyes and seeing how he feels about each generation, which is going to lead us to a place where we say, hey, you know what? It's not about what's in it for me but it's about how can we build a strong, healthy church that meets the needs of all generations and continues to thrive and grow each and every step of the way. And so we are talking about this today as part of our series called Real Relationships. And so we are just exploring what does it look like to be in relationships with one another because we all have relationships. And so how do we live in those relationships in a godly way? How do we live in a way that is is biblically based and that would be honoring to Christ, that would be a representative of Christ in our world. And so we started in week one with, you know, how do we interact across all people and really looked at a couple key verses where Jesus talks about how we should treat people. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, he says that the second greatest commandment is like the first. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, this is significant, is to think of others in the way you think of yourself and to love them and meet their needs in the way that you hope someone else would for you. And he actually says it a little bit differently in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, when he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. So this sums up the law and the prophets. And so what he's telling us is that this is not something that we do passively. Christ is not just asking us to ignore people or to not be mean to people. He's saying, no, actually go and do good for people. Actually demonstrate love. So we celebrated our youth mission trip. And I know from being on a lot of short-term mission trips, when you wake up in the morning on a short-term mission trip, you have a different mindset than normal. And you know you're going to encounter difficult people. You know you're going to encounter relationships with people that you don't know. And you know that in every relationship you're going to have, you are going to be the face of Jesus to them. And yet that shouldn't be something we do on a short-term mission trip. It should be something we do each and every day. We should have that missional mindset that says, I love God, I love others, and every day I'm going to wake up with an opportunity to serve him and to be the light of the world to someone else, to be the light of Jesus, to shine his light for others. And I'm going to do that by doing good, by loving others. 
And so that's the basis where we're we're carrying the series from. Last week, Blake talked about how we do this as male and female, how how we unite under the Imago Dei, the image of God in each and every one of us. And so we look at what unifies us primarily, but we see differences, yes, but we celebrate those differences and focus on that which unites and brings us together. And the same is true with generations It's just a little different way of fighting or unifying, depending on if we get this right or wrong. So what we need to remember today is that we serve a God of generations. We serve a God of generations. We actually sang the the song, Same God, which proclaims that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we are serving the same God today that they served 2,000 years ago, the same God today that we will serve in another 2,000 years, the same God that we will know for all of eternity. He never changes. He is constant and he is always good. And because God is the same, he operates in the same ways. It may feel different to us, but God's love and, and, and his drawing of people to him is the same in each and every generation. So look at what it says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. It says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And so God is proclaiming through the prophet Joel that he is going to use each and every generation, that he's going to work through all of them. There is no greatest generation in God's eyes. There are people today, there are people tomorrow, there are people in the past, and God loves and he is working in each and every generation. And so we need to have that same vision, those same eyes to say, yes, God cares about the older and he cares about the younger. And what can I do to serve people my age, people older and people younger? Now, one of the things that we need to remember as we talk about God working through generations is that we need to remember that that we are one generation away from extinction. This is always true. When you pay attention to the church, the church, the global church, God's church is going to continue to thrive because God is on the throne. He continues to reign. He's going to continue to move. However, if you pay attention to history, you will see that the church the center of the Christian church has shifted from one place to another over time. And one of the reasons that might be is that people get very comfortable in, hey, I've got my thing and my way is going, is going well and, and everything is good for me and I'm comfortable and so I don't need to share my faith. I don't need to pass it along because I'm okay. And so then you find a generation that suddenly comes up and says, well, wait, I don't, I don't get it. What is this all about? Because we haven't done a good enough job of raising them up. One thing that should scare us is that atheism in the United States is on the rise. It has tended to go up about 1% from generation to generation, but from uh, millennials to Gen Z, it has doubled from 7% to 13% of the population. Now that may not sound like a huge amount, but that is a shocking statistic. And it should leave us all concerned, not pointing fingers, Uh, Well, uh, your generation is the one who ruined this. But it should lead us to say, we have to get better at this. Because if Christ Community Church is going to continue to thrive in this area, if the Christian church is going to continue to thrive in the United States of America, like we have to have a vision that says we need to be united as generations 
and be the complete church that God has called us to be. So how do we actually do that? Well, some of our mentality is defined in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor. And he says this to Timothy. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So he gives sort of an older and younger mentality. And he basically says, treat the older men as fathers and treat the older women as mothers. These are your spiritual mothers and fathers. Treat them that way. Now, what does that mean? See, that's a hard thing to define in our culture because the value of the family has slowly eroded over time. We don't have the same value that they did in biblical times of the family. We don't have the same value of our, our elders and honor and respect and things like this that they did in these times. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the family in a few weeks, but I, I would remind us that we're talking about spiritual mothers and fathers. This ties into the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. There's one commandment with a promise. is the fifth commandment which says, honor your father and mother so that, it may, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has promised you. It's the only command in all ten of them that has a promise attached to it. And so there's something about honoring our elders, honoring our, 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 our mothers and fathers, our spiritual mothers and fathers, that is significant to God, that keeps the church moving in the right direction. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, it says this. It says, Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly. And revere your God. I am the Lord. See, honor and respect are supposed to be things, that, they're, they're supposed to be our starting point as Christians. And, and really in our culture, in our society, we say, hey, you have to earn that. I'm going to start from a place of, of not trusting you. I'm going to start from a place of disrespect. I'm going to start from a place of, of maybe at, at best neutral. And if you do the right things, then you can earn honor and respect. But biblically speaking, we're supposed to look at generations who have come before, and we're supposed to start from a place of honor and respect. We need to model this. We need to live this out. We need to learn this. And we also need to continue to teach this to future generations. We need to turn around a cultural trend and say, hey, honor and respect are things that are needed in our society, needed in our church. We need to show gratitude to the generations that have come before. To say thank you for what you've built. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you've equipped me and served me. Even if you didn't know who I was at the time, you have, have, done, have been faithful to your call. And so we start from that place. Now, this is not something as an older generation. This is something that, that really, yes, it should be assumed that it's coming, but also from an older generation perspective, you need to live in a way that is honorable and respectful. And so there is a command to the older generation as well. Here in Timothy, it says this, back in, in chapter five, he says this about the, the younger. He says, for treat younger men as brothers, and then he goes on and says, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now here Paul is most likely telling Timothy hey, the, the people in the younger generation, which is what Timothy was a part of, so he's probably more looking peer to peer, side to side, and saying, treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
But we can also carry this line of thinking out to completion. So Paul is saying, hey, treat older as fathers and mothers. Treat those who are kind of side by side as brothers and sisters. So the, the, the final conclusion would be that treat younger as sons and daughters. Now, again, not everyone has experienced good earthly parents. And so this may be something that is confusing, but we need to think biblically about this. We need to think about what God has called us to. And God, from the very beginning, ordained parents as the primary pastors in their kids' lives. And so really, when we're thinking about being spiritual mothers and fathers to the future generations, or how we should view the next generation, we should think as mothers and fathers whose greatest desire for our kids is to see them come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so we should demonstrate love, we should demonstrate grace, forgiveness, and constantly speak truth to them and over them. Because the world is filled with lies. And it's filled with all these different directions that it's trying to pull our, our, our youth and our kids and so we as the church have to be the people that stand firm in the truth and demonstrate that with love. We have to show the next generation that this is a place where they belong, that this is a place where they matter, that this is a place where they're cared about. Because typically they're not finding it elsewhere. And so they're turning to things that are destructive or harmful when they should be walking through those doors. And so we have to love the, the kids in our church and to think of the next generation as sons and daughters that we are trying to point to Christ. And really, when you think about our mentality as followers of Christ, as we think across generations, I love what it says in Psalm 71. Psalm 71, verse 18 says this, the psalmist cries out, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. See, we need to have a mentality where we pursue God and we pursue the things of him, we pursue relationship with him. And as we are filled up and we experience his love and we experience his grace, we experience his acceptance and forgiveness, we cry out, God, don't forsake me. Don't leave me. Don't let my work be finished until I have passed this on to the next generation. Until I have strengthened them, empowered them, taught them the truth, demonstrated your love to them. God, don't let the church die with me and my generation. Make the next one even better. That should always be our mentality. That we should always hope and celebrate when it happens, when the next generation exceeds our generation. That we should long for them to have a greater faith. For them to do a better job of loving God and loving others than we have done ourselves. Not because we're bad at it. Right? Assume you're great at it. But hope that the next generation is even better. And celebrate when you see that. Stop pointing fingers and pushing people down but celebrate one another. So how do we create generational unity? Well, there's six things that I wanna to give to you that I think can create generational unity or potentially destroy it if we don't actually have these things built into our church and into our lives. 
Now, I, I got most of these from a, a conference speaker. Um, I didn't write their name down, and I tried to Google to find who this person is, and I couldn't find it. So if you're out there listening somewhere, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to, like, not give you credit. Just send me an email, and I'll tell everyone who your name is. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so the first thing that we need is awareness. Awareness. So often we are quick to make judgments or quick to make assumptions, quick to make jokes, but we need to be aware of, of people in the next generation. This means actually getting to know people, right? So this means spending time being, being curious about who other people are, not making assumptions or jumping to conclusions, but saying, no, I actually want to get to know people. The second thing we need is empathy. We need empathy. We're going to do this by sharing stories with one another. See, it's one thing to know of someone. It's another thing to actually care about them. And so empathy says, I care about you. I care about your struggles. I care about your, your joys and your triumphs. And, and we can do this by, by sharing stories. Because what's going to happen when we share stories about what's going on in life and we get past the surface into the deeper stuff, we're, we're going to find that across generations, we're dealing with similar internal things. External circumstances are different, but internally, it's the same kind of feelings. And so we need to have empathy. The third thing we need is friendship. We actually need friendship across generations. And so we can do this through shared struggles with one another. I think about the youth mission trip, and, and, and there's nothing better than being on a short-term mission trip across generations, and, and you do something where you got to go in and like clean a public bathroom together or something like that, and you're like, oh, this is disgusting. I don't want to do this. But then it creates a story and a moment where you are bonded together. So as Caden was talking earlier, saying, hey, we have a vision for this to grow and expand, and we're going to need even more people. I mean, we could have 100 adult volunteers on our campus next year, sharing in struggles, sharing in, in, in what is going on, doing this mission together, and saying, hey, we're, we're all serving Christ side by side. The fourth thing, which is similar, but it goes to another level, is partnership. So it's not just doing things next to each other, but it's really actually working together. And what this means is it's not just, hey, I'm the leader and I'm telling you what to do and you're doing it. And hey, great, we, we did a mission trip together. But it's coming together and saying, hey, this church, this is all of our church. Right? Like, like we got first graders in here and, and we got 80-year-olds in here. This church belongs to all of us. And so can we come together as different generations and actually create something together to say, hey, how would this benefit each generation can we work together? Can we share ideas with one another? The fifth thing is this, is advocacy. We need to fight for one another. Now, oftentimes in churches, what you find is you find people, and really not just in churches, but unfortunately we, we share this in common with the culture, but you find people fighting against each other. And in the church, it should be different. We don't fight against each other. We fight for one another. So rather being men's ministry versus women's ministry or 60 plus ministry versus youth ministry, we, we fight for the other generations. We fight for one another. We say, hey, you know, mission trip is coming and, and, and some of you just heard like there's gonna be a ton of students on, on campus. And, and so some of you are like, oh, wow, that's so exciting and amazing. And some of you are like, they're gonna break everything. <laughs> By the way, both of those things are true. <laughs> but we should be fighting for one another. And so as older, it can be easy to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, that's going to make some things uncomfortable. It's going to push us out of our spaces. But, but you know what? Like, let's celebrate them and let's make this happen. What can we do uh, to make this happen? And for younger generations, you can fight for the older generations as well. Uh, like, let's say you're upstairs and something's happening down here. You're probably going to be really loud. You can be like, hey, you know what? Maybe let's be quiet so that they can enjoy their time of worship as well. 
right? So we can fight for one another. And finally, we celebrate each other. Celebration is something that is needed. If we don't have it, it's going to destroy generational unity. By the way, next Sunday at our church meeting, we're going to have a time of celebration. Dustin's going to kind of celebrate some things that all the staff members have shared about different ministries and um, just some really cool opportunities. We, we, we get a few of these opportunities. We do some like on Sunday mornings, but, but we rarely get a chance to really celebrate things across the, the, the min, like ministry-wide across our church um, for the whole of the church. And, and so we're going to hear about what God is doing in each and every generation, different ministries, and all these different things. Like let's celebrate that. Listen, we celebrated the youth mission trip. I know that our, our fourth and fifth graders are like just coming home from Wolf Mountain. There were 30 students up there. I got to go and hang out with them and share God's word with them. And it was an incredible time. And, and I'm telling you this because that only happens because we have some amazing adult volunteers who, who stepped in and said, yeah, we'll come and hang out with a bunch of smelly fourth and fifth graders for, you know, three days. And, and we'll drive them around and, and, and we'll help get them from place to place and, and show them God's love and, and be small group leaders. And, and again, that ministry only happens because there's like 60 faithful leaders who serve in children's ministry each and every week. And so when we talk about like children's and youth ministry, these things only happen when the whole church is involved. It's a celebration of every generation doing what God has called us to do. So we need to keep our eyes focused the way God's eyes are focused. Keep loving people the way Christ has loved us. And we need to remember that we serve a God of generations, and so we need to be a church of generations. We need to be a church that loves our older and gives them thanks and shows honor and respect to them for what they have done, and also a church that reaches back and says to our younger, hey, you are valued and there's a place for you here and we're gonna pour out our wisdom and our knowledge to you and share our faith with you so that the church continues to thrive. Personally, I am here today because of so many Christians who have gotten this right. I mean, I remember sitting in a room just like this, listening to a pastor preach in fifth or sixth grade and thinking, that's what I wanna do with my life. And I had these incredible children's ministry leaders and youth leaders, and, and, and they poured so much into my life. And I just thought, you know what? I want to do that for the next generation as well. And so I spent 18 years of my life like serving in, in youth and children's ministry. And now I see people that, that I got to serve that are now serving in our youth and children's ministry here. Like it's continuing on. This church has been here in Carmichael being the hope of Jesus for 60 years because this church has done it right. We don't get it perfect, but we show honor and respect to those who have come before. We give them thanks. And the older generations are constantly looking toward the next, the younger, and pouring out love and, and speaking truth to them. And so if we get this wrong, our church will die very quickly. Because if we push the younger out, then our lifespan is right here in the room right now. And that doesn't last that long. If we push the older out, we lose the wisdom. And, 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 and what you see when, when churches do that, they tend to be led astray. And the church will fall apart. But if we get this right, if we truly have a multi-generational view, God's view of generations, loving one another as God has called us to do, then the older will feel valued and honored and they will desire to pass on their wisdom and their truth and their knowledge. And the younger will receive that and continue to grow so that they are equipped for when they get older to pass on their faith to the generation after that.
Church, I believe that Christ Community Church has been doing this well for 60 years, but we need to get better and we need to keep going. So would you stand with me this morning? Because I want us together to read Psalm 71, verse 18. Because my hope is that this is all of our hearts, that we grow in our faith and our knowledge and our relationship with Christ. And then we pass that on from generation to generation to generation. And we see Christ Community Church continue to be the very presence of Jesus here in Carmichael and around the world for many, many years to come. So let's read this together. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Heavenly Father, this is our prayer. This is our heart that you would speak to us, that you would move in our hearts, that we would receive your truth, know your truth, and live according to it, and that we would demonstrate your love, your acceptance, and your forgiveness for all to see. God, do not let our church fade away, but let us continue to pass our faith on, continue to pass truth on, to continue to demonstrate love to generation after generation. God, continue to allow us to be the presence of Jesus here in Carmichael and all around the world until the day that you return. We love you, Father, and pray these things in your son's name. Amen.